God bless you. Why couldn't you be my teachers when I was in school? Because um, I know you're good teachers. And I was an excellent student, but I never had any good teachers. So um, anyway, that's obviously stretching it, ministerially speaking. But I, I, I couldn't find what my niche was. I knew growing up that math and science did not do it for me much to the chagrin of my scientist father. And so that was a, that was a difficult, I, I was interested in, in two things when I was, I remember in, in so vividly in elementary school and junior high school and high school, some of those things changed. I was interested in two things. I was interested in playing whatever sport was available. It didn't matter what year it was and if, if there was or what time of the year it was. And it didn't matter really if it was a sport. I mean, if I saw two kids playing tiddlywinks, I would want to play, you know, and be a part of it. I wanted to, I wanted to play football every day. And in basketball season, I would play basketball. If I wasn't doing that, I wanted to be watching television. These, these are the deep thoughts of what I was really interested in. Um, when I got into high school, I kept hope, you know, I was, my parents, I know my parents, God bless them, they kept hoping that I would find something that was interesting to me. But I, I didn't. Uh, and I'm, I remember the, the best thing about becoming a senior in high school is I did not, uh, I only had to go to school like three or, three or four hours a day. You know, I took this deal called distributive education. Anybody know what distributive education is? It means you do nothing and then you go to work. It's great. And you get an automatic A. It was great. I got no A's in anything except distributive education. And one year in PE. But, I, you know, I never did find out anything that I, I liked. It's just a, just a touch of it. When I was a senior in high school, we took, and if you grew up in Texas, you know you have to take, in history, you have to take one semester of what? Texas history. And, you know, and you should, you know, if you're, if you're, if you never have taken it, you need to do that. It's the next baptism, then take Texas history. Um, so, you know, all of you that are from other lands and foreign countries so that you know what real history is all about. I started getting a little history interest when, on that course. We had, a, we did have a good teacher. His name was Bill Hickey. He was really a good teacher. And I started getting some interest in Texas history. But it only lasted a semester, and then we went into civics. No interest. No interest at all. So I was back asleep again. Then I went off to school. I, I was very, very interested, obviously, in studying and, and studying the, uh, the Bible and studying it. But one of my favorite, I found another favorite thing that suddenly clicked with me, and that was church history. I, I really enjoyed it. Now, I only took a, you know, a few courses there, and so by the time that was over, I moved on. And then I found later on, I'm still not really understanding what I really enjoy studying, and then I started picking up some biographies of great people that I wanted to, to study and, or to read about. And I think the first one that I read that really caught my attention was about John Wesley. Fabulous biography. And it just, uh, it really, I just loved it. I really, it just, just thrilled me. I found that I, I was enjoying what I was reading instead of enduring what I was reading. But, and, and so as the years go on, I find more and more and more that I'm interested in history. And find out that I, I, can, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember what happened during a certain period of time in history. 
And so I found that that's where, that, that was sort of my niche. I wish I'd had a great history teacher uh, or, or a few. I, and maybe they were and I was just not interested at that time. But be that as it may, nothing ever entered. When I found out that I was finally interested in history, nothing ever really grabbed me completely like what grabbed me uh, about 11 years ago. And that was to study my family history. And I got into it. I mean, I said, you know, I'm sorry, you know, Richard, with studying the Joneses, sometimes that's not a good thing to do. Sometimes you may not be happy with what you find. I remember Sally's dad told, I didn't do it on Sally's family because her dad told us one time, he said, look, you don't want to go too far. There's no telling what you may find on our family tree, so you just better leave it alone. Okay. But I got really, really interested, and I started studying it. And so I came up with, and I studied this thing, and, and it was driving my wife crazy because I'd be, uh, I'd stay up, you know, late and look at this and get mad, and, you know, in the middle of the night because something wouldn't pop up. But finally, it, most of it came together. So this is the Jones family tree, one side, and it goes back to... 1578, and it was Nathan and Anne Stanton Loving. Uh, I thought that was a good name, Loving. So we have a loving past. This just absolutely thrilled me. And then, so, and then I started on the other side of the Jones family, you know, uh, the, my grandmother's side, and it went back to, I love this one, on one side it went to Claudius the Cloud Tulos. I'm related to a man known as the Cloud. And that was, he was born in 1641 in Scotland. Over here is Richard Weeks, born in 1600 in Staines, Middlesex, England. And I studied about him and, and about when, because after him, his son, they came over. And, you know, everybody comes over on the Mayflower. The Mayflower had nine million people on it, right? So one of these, they, they were, but they were in the original Bay Colony uh, in Massachusetts, which was really interesting. So I studied all that, studied all these great stories, did my mother's side, and uh, my mother's side goes back to a guy named James Marsden uh, in 1575. And uh, so I made copies of these, and, get, and I was, for months, months. I was, that's all I thought about. It's all I did. I worked on it constantly. Why is my family history? It meant a lot to me. And I'm getting fingers pointed at people back here who have the same <laughs> desire. Yeah. Okay, we, okay. Sherry's telling on you, David. All right. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I had, I had such an interest in it. And then I found that that's what this study is all about. This is so much more important than I'm related to the cloud from Scotland. This study is the, is the history of the Holy Spirit empowering men to begin what we are experiencing today. And that's the study of the book of Acts. Now, the, the book of Acts, I gave you a timeline. There's one up on the 
screen. And this is, you know, the church is established at Jerusalem in chapters 1 and 7. The gospel is spread in chapters 8 through 12. And then it goes to the ends of the earth in, in chapter 13 through 28. Um, and the leaders, the apostle Paul through the 12 chapters, I mean Peter through the first 12 chapters, and then the apostle Paul through the last uh, chapters. The emphasis is on Jewish evangelism, then they transition, and then into Gentile evangelism and all the world. The time period about A.D. 33 all the way to about A.D. 60. And so that, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good timeline. Go to the next slide and you see the map. This is the area that Acts covers. Okay, So the book of Acts, if you'll, can you see it? This is in the way. Is this in the way? Can, you can't see a lot of stuff, can you? This, uh, over here is where it starts, right here, Jerusalem. That's where it started, that little spot right there in, in Palestine, where, Palestine where it starts, then Judea, Samaria, and then it spreads up into Asia Minor, what is Turkey today, over around where Ephesus is. That straight up is where Istanbul is today. Over here is Greece. It spread to Greece, and there's Corinth. And then, of course, it goes all the way to the, to the center of the Roman Empire in Rome. That's what happened in 30 years from nothing to a worldwide knowledge of Christ and followers establishing local churches uh, in, in a 30-year period of time. What an amazing, or 30 or 40 years, depending on whose chronology you follow. Now, I have a chronology for you that if just stick this in your Bible, and you can, I'm not going to go over it today. It's very interesting, but it's, it, it takes too much time. This chronology gives you a timeline of the book of Acts, okay? It will take you from, um, you see, in, on the right-hand side are the dates on the Left-hand side are the chapters that it occurs in the book of Acts. Approximately, no, this is perfect now. now I can't tell you that in May of, of 46 A.D. that uh, um, the first missionary journey began. I can't tell you that. No one can. But it, it's interesting to see that in 44 B.C. Caesar was assassinated, Jesus born. Then the birth of Saul when he was probably, or who became Paul, when probably about 2 B.C., and then we have Tiberius, who is the emperor of Rome, and so on, and you go through this, and you can see the church being, being uh, established, and you see when uh, uh, Claudius in 41 became emperor of Rome, the martyrdom of James, the first missionary, then, then the Jews expelled from Rome, and when some of the other books were written are in here, you keep on going down. You see when Nero comes onto the scene in 54 A.D. And, and I, I like this, 59. Nero murders his mother, Agrippina. What a, what a, what a wonderful uh, human being was crazy Nero. And then uh, Paul's shipwreck all the way down to the death of Nero in 70 A.D., the fall of Jerusalem under Titus. And then you can track what's happening in, in the New Testament on the other side. So I think it's a valuable resource that I found. So hold that 
so you understand where we're at when we read it. Now, the author of the book is Luke. He was, uh, he, this is his second book. He's a Gentile. He was a physician. Uh, we're, we're pretty cer certain about his, the authorship because he refers to himself in the first person, plural, when he's writing in some of the passages of this book. And he writes through Theophilus just like, or to Theophilus just like he did in the book of Luke. What you have is volume one and volume two. Volume one is the history, and Luke writes a perfect history, a beautiful history of the life of Jesus while he was here on earth, which ends with his ascension. Then the book of Luke is going to be the, I mean, the book of Acts written by Luke is volume two, which is going to be, some people call it the Acts of the Apostles, some people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, which is probably a better title for it. But he writes and tells us all about the formation of the church and after the ascension, okay? And the Holy Spirit coming and being present with the church, empowering the church and starting the church. Uh, it was written about A.D. 60, 62, something around that period of time. Now, in the, uh, in, in the opening of the book of Acts, just think about it with me for a second. In the opening of the book of Acts, the church doesn't exist, right? Uh, there, there is no First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. It's not there. There is no church. There is no local church. At the end of the book, in Acts chapter 28, it's already spread to Rome and throughout all of this area. There are churches established in all of these areas that we're talking about in 30 years, 30 to 40 years. Amazing. Now, let me read the purpose of the book. That There's a couple of things that I've stolen from Chuck Swindoll. Not stolen. I mean, he wants you to use them. And if you have the book on Acts by Chuck Swindoll, you're going to be cheating and you'll know a lot of this. But I'm going to give him credit for this, these things because he's a lot smarter than I am. But he says the purpose very well. To demonstrate from the acts of history that the church has become God's instrument for stewarding the new covenant, that the church is guided by his spirit, and that nothing can prevent Christ from building his church. Remember Jesus said, I will what? Build my church. Acts is the fulfillment, is the telling of that story. All right? Now, primarily, if you want to divide it up even more simply to understand it, it focuses on two men's ministries, Peter and Paul. Peter in the first half, uh, Paul in the second half, though you see some overlap, of course. The, what I like to call the inspired outline is in verse 8 of chapter 1. The inspired outline, you look at verse 8, all right? Verse 8, somebody read verse 8 for me. Just read it out loud. We'll read it again in a minute. Anybody? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Okay. So we have a good division of the book right here. He said, you shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, verse chapters 1 through 7, 
then Judea and Samaria, chapters 8 through 12, and then the remotest part of the earth as it goes to the Gentiles, chapter 13 on through chapter 28, the end of the book. So that's a great outline. Let me give you another outline for those of you who like outlines. The birth of the church is chapters 1 through 7. The rise of the church, the church begins to, people begin to recognize this and they call it the way. They call it, they, they were called Christians at Antioch, followers of Christ. Then the expansion of the church and then through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, it starts to go everywhere. And then the challenges that the church, is, the church face. They actually face some challenges early on in the way they were governed, what they believed, and it will be a great study. Now, quickly, I, I call this the theological defense of Christianity. You see, you put yourself in this position when you start the book of Acts, who are we talking to? We're talking to a group of people who primarily, they go first to, they start talking to the Jews, and the Jews, they're concerned about what in the world is this new thing you're talking about. We just uh, thought we took care of the leader of this, and, and now supposedly he's resurrected, and so the new church that's introduced in Acts, they actually, Luke actually gives us a defense of Christianity that's rooted in Judaism. It does not contradict Judaism, and it actually does complete and expands Judaism. Because in the Old Testament, uh, the Old Covenant, you have the prophets that were just telling about this coming, and so now they're saying it's, it's happening. It's, here it is. This is it. So, now, I want to, here's the theme of the book. And um, this, I'm going to ask Scott to read it in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, the theme of the book comes from one of the enemies of the apostles. Gamaliel was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, a highly respected teacher, and they were trying to they were trying to convince the apostles that this wasn't the best thing to do. We, we're going to command you to stop talking about Jesus. Here's what Gamal said. So my advice is, leave these men alone. If they are teaching and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to stop them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. <coughs> so, he said, look, Gamal, Gamaliel said, look, guys, if this is of God, it'll make it. If it's not, it won't make it. Little did he know that what he was saying would be true. It made it. Now, here's the questions for the early church that are answered immediately. Is it true that the sovereign plan of God has included the Gentiles? Now, Jews don't like the Gentiles, right? So all of a sudden, they're saying... You know, this is for everybody. And the Jews are going, whoa, 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 wait a second. So that's what this answered. Can Gentiles become the people of God without first becoming Jewish? This, the council at Jerusalem that takes place, addresses this issue. How did God empower his church to go and grow, to go and grow across geographical, racial, and political barriers? It is the work of God in transition in the book of Acts. That's an important thing to remember. 
the, the work of God and the way God deals with mankind is in transition in the book of Acts. And don't be afraid of that. That doesn't mean that God has cha- is changing. Oh, God never changes, right? And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God does deal with man in specific ways at specific times in different ways. For those of you that, and I'll just mention this and move on, those of you who have ever studied the dispensations in Scripture or the different eras in Scripture, era, E-R-A, not error, era in Scripture. Scripture is the way God deals with mankind. You would, you would uh, recognize that this does, this, this does have, it's a great study to try to understand this and see what God's plan as it's uh, uh, revealed over the years, the thousands of years, how impactful it was You study like you start off with the the age of innocence with Adam and Eve in a garden, right? And you move quickly from innocence to conscience where the fall has taken place and where God now has to provide a sacrifice and where sin has to be dealt with. It didn't have to be dealt with in the age of innocence, did it? And then the fall of man took place. And then you go through all, there's seven different Things that, the ways that you can look at this, I think it's a fascinating way to study. You have human government, and then you have the promise through Abraham, the way God deals with establishing his chosen people. Then you have the law. Then you have the church uh, age and, and the age of grace. And uh, then you have the kingdom age. So that's a good way to look at the way God transitions, the way he deals with people throughout the ages. It's a fun study. And this part falls into the beginning of one of those periods of time, and that's the church, the establishment of the church. You say, well, where is the church in the Old Testament? It doesn't exist in the Old Testament. God was dealing with the nation of Israel as his chosen people. And could Gentiles become believers in God and believe in what they believed in? Yes, Absolutely. But there wasn't, what, there wasn't the church. And so we'll talk more about that as we go across this. Now, two key words or two key phrases in the book. One is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, almost 50 times in this book, the book of Acts. And the other word is witness or witnesses, 29 times in this book. We'll show you a couple of those in a minute. All right, let's read quickly. That's the introduction, guys. Sorry about that. Um, but visitors, we usually get through, I mean, by now. Um, so, and I know, I know I'm not supposed to lie from here, but uh, anyway, let's just go quickly over these. It's so, it's so important to lay the foundation, though. Verses 1 and 2. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was risen up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So, in the first book is what he's referring to, which is what? This is the book of Acts. What was the first book? Luke. So, in the first book, he said, I, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. 
So this, see, this is a book of transition. He took us up all the way to the ascension, and now he's going to move us beyond that. And then, uh, so the event, actually, that marks the transition is the ascension. Okay? So Jesus spends 40 days with them, and then he is taken up. So they've had his presence They've gone through all, all the ministry of Jesus. They've gone through the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And now he spent 40 days with them. And now he's leaving. And he's going to take his place by the, by the Father in heaven. And so he's leaving. And he said, I'm going to leave somebody here. And he's going to start another way of reaching out to the world to draw them unto me, and that's going to be the church, and I'm going to deal with that by sending the paraclete, is the, the uh, parakletos actually in the Greek language, which, which Jesus said is the comforter, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him, so this transition, Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit comes. And uh, the key lessons that the Lord taught his disciples, which is the outline for the rest of the chapter, he taught them these things in that 40-day period. He taught them the reality of his resurrection, the coming of his kingdom, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the assurance of his coming again. Now, verse 3 through 5. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. So important. He, you know, he, was, he chose these men. These were the apostles who were going to start his church. And in order to do that, the, the cornerstone of that, of the gospel, is his death, burial, and what? Resurrection. All right? So the resurrection is important. He spent this time saying, guys, I really am alive. I'm alive. I was dead. The same person that you saw die on the cross, give his life, I was raised from the dead, and I am going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you to start my church. Remember, remember when I was talking to you one time, and Peter, you made a great statement, and you confessed me as the Son of God? Remember when I said, I, you know, I will build my what? Church. I will build my church. So, he's leaving he spends 40 days teaching this and no telling what else. He said, you're only missing one thing. I got everything you know, need to know. I've given you all the knowledge. I've proved to you that the resurrection is real. What are you missing? The Holy Spirit. What? The Holy Spirit. Yes, particularly the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now, talks about being baptized with the Spirit. Verse 5, John baptized with water, but a few days you'll be baptized with the Spirit. I'm not going to go, we're going to spend some time on this later on. But I was reading in an in a old book that I had this week. I, the Holy Spirit comes, and it's a new ministry. Jesus was in, Jesus, um, the incarnation, God with us while he was here on the earth, Right? Now we have, in similar terms, the incarnation of the Holy Spirit with the church. 
So let me read you what Augustus said back in the fourth century. Therefore, the Holy Ghost on this day, Pentecost, which we'll study in two weeks, descended into the temple of his apostles, which he had prepared for himself as a shower of sanctification, appearing no more as a transient visitor, which he was in the Old Testament time, but as a perpetual comforter as, and as an inter, eternal inhabitant. Came, therefore, on this day to his disciples, no longer by the grace of visitation and operation, but by the very presence of his majesty. A.J. Gordon said this, The Holy Spirit from that time on took up his residence on earth. That's what makes this so spectacular. The Christian church throughout all this dispensation is the home of the Spirit as truly as heaven during the same period is the home of Jesus Christ. In other words, while the Father and the Son are visibly and personally in heaven, they are invisibly here in the body of the faithful by the indwelling of the Comforter. That's what the starting of the church was all about. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, powerless. I will send the Holy Spirit. All right, we're not going to get finished. Verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. I love what they ask him, though. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They've been with him 40 days, and they said, hey, is it time? Are you coming? Are you going to get the Romans out of here? Now look what Jesus said. He didn't rebuke them for asking that. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Now, he, he, didn't, he didn't say, hey, don't be asking that question. It's all right to ask the question. The, many times the Old Testament, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom are united together. So it wasn't a silly question to ask. And I think Jesus tried to help them and us when he said, don't worry about when I'm coming back. You've got a mission to make sure that people are ready for when I come back. And that's why he t continues to tell us today that you're not, if you're all you're consumed with, is this a sign? Is this a sign? I think it's going to be a week from Thursday. Jesus is coming back because this is the day that the Russians are going to do this. The big bear, remember? When Jesus say, look, it's all right to think about that, but your, your focus should be, your mission should be completing the church so I can come back. Right? All right. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power is the word dunamis, D-Y-N-A-M-I-S which looks like our word, what? Dynamite. Dynamite. You shall receive dynamite. <laughs> Dunamis. The power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now this is an interesting word. The word is martus. It's spelled, the transliteration is uh, martus. I think it's right. Let me check my... Spelling. I think I may have misspelled that. Here. M-A-R-T-Y-S. I'm sorry, I'm adding an extra R. Martus, which is a legal term, 
for a witness in, in the courtroom, right? Eyewitness, that's what the word's for. What is, of course, what does it look like in our, our in English language? Martyrs. I'm going to martyr someone who died for Christ. All right? So that's what you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my eyewitnesses. And it turned into a use because of what happened, and we get our word martyrs. He said you'll go to Jerusalem, Judea, and all of Samaria. So what does that look like? And I think Pastor Steve does this quite often. And I've, I've seen it since I was a kid. You probably have too, but one more time won't hurt. All right? So this was their sphere of the church. It started where? Okay, what, how, get, tell me what locally looked like then. What was the name of the city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. All right, locally in Jerusalem. Locally. That, what is that to us in our life group? That's a food pantry. That's uh, uh, witnessing to our friends and neighbors in our neighborhood. All right? Then it says it goes where? Judea, Judea and Samaria. Samaria. All right? That's, that's uh, it, it's spreading out, spreading out. That's going nationally. That's what, that, what is that for us? That's our national ministry, right? That's uh, Front Range uh, Christian Church and, and uh, all of the other things that we're involved in. I'm not getting them all. But then he says he goes to the ends of the earth, and, and, and then that was where? That got all the way to where? Rome. What is that for us? That's our foreign mission. That's our Piedras. That's our Acuna. Right? So this is our mission. And uh, that was what, that's how the church started, and that's how God blessed it and used it. Now, after saying this, verse 9, he was taken up into a cloud where they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him, rising up into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. It's a very meaningful place. This is what it looks like from the Mount of Olives. This is a picture I, uh, we took, Sally took or I took one, from the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is an amazing place. You look in there, and now you see the Dome of the Rock. This is where the Temple Mount is. This is the gate, of course, the, a very famous. And, and standing here, you walk on down into the Garden of Gethsemane. But standing up here somewhere up there, it's a very meaningful place. Let me tell you, there's many scriptures, but let me tell you why it's a meaningful place. Zechariah 14, 4. On that day, his feet will stand on the, where? The Mount of Olives. East of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. Go on and on. Then the Lord my God will come. 
and all the holy ones with him. That's how the church got started. And this is where he will come again. And that's what he's telling. He said, why stand you here gazing? This, he said, this same Jesus, he's going up into heaven. He will come again bodily, physically, and will come again with us, with his saints, and set up his kingdom. Now, do me a favor. Our mission, according to this chapter, which is the same, the mission of the church, this is the, uh, when we come to church here on Sunday, this is our roots. This is where it all started. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is why we're doing all of this. This is why we have pantry. This is why we go to Front Range Church. This is why we go to Acuna. This is why we support that little lady in, in uh, Piedras. This is why we witness to our neighbors. This is why we say, will you come to church? I can't talk much about, about Jesus. I, I'm not very good at that, but can we come to church with me? Somebody else can. That big mouth that's, that talks uh, every Sunday morning in our life group, he, he can say something. <laughs> this, is, this is where it started. Our mission is to go tell people in the dwelling power of the Holy Spirit about the good news of Jesus, the forgiveness of sin, knowing that Jesus will come again. Close your eyes with me for just a second. I want you to stand on the Mount of Olives with me for just a second. And think that our beginning 2,000 years ago just picture in your mind what it must have looked like Jesus ascending from that mount and wondering what in the world is going to happen. And then two men stood there and said, two angels said, hey, he's coming again. So he's put us in this ministry, put you in your neighborhood put you at your office to talk about what's coming. And this is, I want to play a song for you. This is what's coming.
Amen.